Welcome. This is DeForest Soares Jr. My friends call me Buster. My enemies do too. This is the D-Free Podcast. We call it In the Black because we want everybody, especially, especially black people, to be in the black. That means you own more than you owe. You make more than you spend. Your assets are greater than your liabilities. Be in the black. This podcast is sponsored by Prudential, and it is owned by the D-Free Movement. My co-host is Tamika Stembridge, attorney, hip-hop retiree, and all things genius. Welcome to me. Thank you, guys, and welcome to D-Free in the Black. This episode of the D-Free in the Black podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prudential. When I was a teenager during the 1960s, there was a term that was commonly used among a variety of organizations, and that term was unity without uniformity. The idea was that we could be unified even though we disagreed on various strategies and philosophies. Now, fast forward to today, and what I believe we can all agree on, despite our differences, is that black people are better off with less debt than more debt. I I don't think there's any religious conflict. I don't think there's any political conflict. I don't think there's any philosophical conflict with that assumption. And if we agree that our people would be better off with less debt, meaning Less debt gives us the ability to invest money. No debt gives us the ability to buy insurance, to leave a legacy. Less debt takes stress off of our minds, bodies, and souls to ensure that we can have lower blood pressure and less disease. Less debt gives us the ability to invest in real estate. In other words, If we're going to reach financial freedom, if we're going to achieve the kind of outcomes that we love to talk about and pray about and clap about, if we're going to buy our own neighborhoods, if we're going to leave some resources that when we die can be used by our families, if we're going to support African-American institutions, if we're going to become philanthropists, it means that we have to earn more than we spend save more than we throw away. Our assets will have to be greater than our liabilities. And my own personal experience is the way you get there is you stop using credit cards. You stop paying high interest. You stop paying last month's bills with next week's check. You stop living paycheck to paycheck. I've also been the beneficiary of having my income increase over the years. But if income increases before you control what you have, then higher income simply means higher expenses, higher debt, and your financial status does not change. As a result of this perspective, I have invited every national black organization to join the Billion Dollar Challenge. The Delta Sigma Theta sorority has accepted this challenge, and it's simply this. By the end of 2020, We are attempting at the D-Free Financial Freedom Movement to help 100,000 African Americans pay off $10,000 in consumer debt. If 100,000 African Americans can do like the Delta Sigma Theta chapter in Las Vegas, Nevada, that has paid off in one year $400,000 in debt, we can shift the money that we were paying to Visa and MasterCard and Macy's and GMAC 
into insurance products, real estate, savings for emergencies. That's the billion-dollar challenge. I have been an activist all of my life, and I have concluded that there is no greater cause than that cause that invites our people to take control of what we have because if you don't use what you have, then you don't deserve what's coming. The Billion Dollar Challenge is at the website BillionDollarPayDown.com. It's simple, it's easy to use, and it's absolutely free and confidential. And so my challenge to you is to accept the Billion Dollar Challenge. Pay down your debt, increase your savings, and launch your journey into financial freedom. This episode of the D-Free in the Black podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prudential. Welcome. This is the Forrest Soares Jr. My friends call me Buster. My enemies do too. This is the D-Free podcast. We call it In the Black because we want everybody, especially, especially black people, to be in the black. That means you own more than you owe. You make more than you spend. Your assets are greater than your liabilities. Be in the black. This podcast is... Sponsored by Prudential, and it is owned by the D-Free Movement. My co-host is Tamika Stembridge, attorney, hip-hop retiree, (laughs) and all things genius. Welcome, Tamika. Thank you, guys, and welcome to D-Free in the Black. This episode of the D-Free in the Black podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prudential. Who says you have to live paycheck to paycheck forever? Not us. Join the Billion Dollar Challenge today. The Billion Dollar Challenge was created to help tackle debt and track savings with our free online tool. It's fun, easy, and confidential. You can do it in a group, too. Join today at BillionDollarPayDown.com. And now, this week's D-Free Black Money Moment. Another New Jersey native who is continuing to expand her hip-hop empire, her global entertainment empire, Miss Queen Latifah, is now <laughs> developing property in Newark, New Jersey. Can I tell you something funny? You know, her, her real name is Dana Owens. Yes. And there's a pastor in in, in East Orange whose name is Dana, Dana Owens. Owens. Yes. <laughs> and, and there are times when I'll text her but think I'm texting him. And the, and then I'll get a text it, because it just says Dana. Right. Now you think I'd have sense enough to just to change make that. some distinction between Queen Latifah and Reverend Dana Owens, but having said that, yes, she she uh, her mom died last year, mm-hmm. and uh, that really impacted her. But she and her mother. Her mother was a guidance counselor at Irvington High School. Yeah, and they've always been community minded. They've always loved young people. They've always uh, been interested in in giving back in North Jersey. And one way of giving back is to investing. Now, she'll make money Mm -hmm. off of these deals, but she'll do it in a way that helps low and moderate income families uh, uh, have a decent place to live. Absolutely. My hat's off to her. I'm excited for her. She's done everything, like music, movies, television. Like, she's phenomenal. And now real estate, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal. And just a great person. I love her. So, hats off to you, Queen Latifah, or crowns off. Black money. Black Money Moments. This episode of the D-Free in the Black podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prudential. Welcome. This is the Forrest Soares Jr. My friends call me Buster. My enemies do too. This is the D-Free podcast. We call it In the Black. I'm so excited about our guest today. This is going to be fun. Well, you ought to be because she she oh. has solved a, a 
big problem for many women, but more importantly, she has answered a big question for all people that strive for greatness, and that is how do you start with meager means and end up on top of your industry? And I'm talking about Mahisha Dellinger, who is an executive. She is a creative talent. Uh, She is an environmentalist. She cares about more than just money, and uh, she grew up in Sacramento. Mahisha, welcome to the In the Black podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I just can't believe I'm talking to you. I'm nervous. My hands are sweating. I got to drink some water before I pass out because <laughs> you are you are such a role model um, that that I just I'm I, I'm I, I can't believe we're talking. How are you doing? Where are you? I am blessed. I am blessed. I am in Dallas, Texas. Dallas. And uh, yeah, that's where I live now. I moved my family and my business uh, to Dallas from. Um, Sacramento, California. Yeah, but you started out in Sacramento. Uh, the former mm-hmm. mayor of Sacramento is a good friend of mine, Kevin Johnson. So I've, I've been to oh, Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, I think you lived in public housing in Sacramento, if I'm not mistaken. I, I didn't live in public housing, but we were in Section 8. A little uh, different than the East Coast. Public money. Uh, in the, yeah. yeah, it was definitely um, Section 8 um, in a very... Um, Desolute area, uh, Danger Island, a.k.a. Meadowview. It's called Meadowview in South Sacramento, a.k.a. Yeah. Danger Island is a neighborhood that I lived in. Um, yeah, so that, that's where I grew up. But you made up your mind that where you were going would not be defined by where you started. And so what Correct. happened? What happened? Well, I, I just I didn't like um, what I saw before me. Um, and after me, you know, um, we, I was in a very rough, violent, um, this uh, cycle of the generational poverty that just consisted, was, was persisted in our neighborhood, my community, my family, um, didn't really see role models of people who made it out of the hood. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, most of my friends were pregnant by 15 and some of their brothers didn't make it to see 18. Mm. And that was what it was. Like you just continued, you just continued in that thread of being poor and being and being um, impoverished and without hope, without a future, just understanding that this is what it was, and I didn't want what it was. I wanted more than what I saw and what I was expected to receive in life. So I decided to, early on to, to shift that and to make my own legacy and and and, my, and create a future that will be bright for my legacy. So. You took a path initially um, that many aspiring, I'll say aspiring urbanites have taken, you know, college, corporate, and then somehow you ended up in African-Americans' two favorite places, Target and on television. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey, um, both out of the hood into corporate America and then into my two favorite places on a Sunday, Target and television? (laughs) Sure. So my... uh Departure from out of corporate America into entrepreneurship was um, one that wasn't planned. I expected to retire at, at Intel from Intel Corporation after I, in my mind, um, climbed that corporate ladder and made my mark and, you know, was successful. That was my goal. And, and when I saw very early on that not only was that not going to be feasible, but that people were going to make it impossible for me. Um, I experienced corporate racism for the first time and 
and was very discouraged by that experience that despite how hard I worked, that I was not being viewed as equal and was actually discredited and targeted to get removed. That was when my entrepreneurial uh, desire popped up because I realized that I needed to do something beyond rely on this corporate job that was plush and and the one that most people loved and wanted to be in my position. I realized that I wanted more than that. So I decided to just go into the world of creating my own business. I wasn't sure what that was going to be. I had a few different ideas. I landed on hair care because I was a newly natural mother and I was looking for products that were not going to be a heavy, you know, grease, petroleum, mineral oil, product-based, or a relaxer. I wanted something natural and organic. We didn't have that back then. It was just the same stuff you see, you saw back in the day. Think of the, you know, safe opera or mm-hmm. our grease and our relaxers. Nothing really clean and organic and light just to define our curls. So I... Decided to embark on that, and that was my my entry into entre- the entrepreneur world. I did that online as an e-commerce-based business for several years before I got a call from Target, and Target, the buyer at the time, was a blonde hair, blue-eyed buyer for the ethnic category. She realized that she had um, a stagnant category of products and wanted to grow them, and so she brought Curls and three other brands in to revamp it. And we all did exceptionally well. And so she continued to grow that category by bringing in other brands in and growing with us. And so we grew from a small startup to um, one of her foundational brands that she, they partner with. And then that went from Target to all the other retailers that took notice of this new shift in ethnic care. care and they wanted us everywhere that we could go. So we went into every other retailer from that point of view. Um, and then after, you know, that was many, many years ago, we started with Target, and we after that went into CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, and all the other stores. Um, but in the midst of that time, I actually had learned a lot about retail and how to, to finesse that market, how to work with buyers, and what to do, how to prepare, what the means are like. So I actually started helping people on the side that were looking to go into the retail space, different kind of products. But the formula is the same. Things you have to understand when you want to succeed in retail is pretty much the same. And I, and I mastered that, so I started to help other people that were looking for help. And uh, then the television, the television show was owned. Uh, the show is called Mind Your Business with Mahisha. It's a business show helping black female-based business owners achieve success. That was something that was very um, ad hoc. I didn't really – I didn't seek it. It came – it fell on my lap. I had already been doing that informally already, mm-hmm. um, and some producers had noticed that and wanted to create a show around it, and they pitched it to own and own to get, and that's kind of the rest of history. That is that is absolutely wonderful. Of course, my 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 focus is always around the money, and um, not everyone is capable of growing a business and taking it to scale mm-hmm. because there's certain management principles, there's certain cash flow realities. Uh, that that factor into that. How, where did you learn this stuff, and and how how were you able to manage the business growth? Because often opportunity can kill a business. Right. Well, I, I did one thing that was important or key in the growth was the fact that I did start small. Um, had I started like big, like I wanted to, I really wanted to have. I was seeking. I I was seeking in, in the market, on the market for a business loan. I couldn't get a loan despite having exceptional personal credit. I mm-hmm. could not find business loan, uh, funding. 
And that was discouraging because, as you know, most of us as African-American entrepreneurs are overlooked in the funding area. So I wanted to get funding. I was going to launch on a bigger scale, but I could not get funding. So I started very small with my own savings. And that was actually a blessing in disguise because I was able to start small, grow small, right. you know, and make mistakes and learn from them before I was on a larger scale. So it, the scaling, um, if you do it right, it's great to start small because you can, like I said, learn from your mistakes and then and then get bigger and as you grow and do it organically and over time. So you make more money and you make money, you reinvest it, you make more money, you make mm-hmm. more products. And it's like a cycle. Like I never use my own money. I always... Uh, after that, I got a line of credit when I got started, and I used that line of credit to build my inventory that I needed for Target. And that inventory was sold back into Target, and they paid very early on time. And I was able to pay back my line of credit and then reinvest more in additional inventory. So it's really about just being very strict and disciplined with that line of credit to only use it towards inventory and paying it back 100% as soon as I got paid from Target. Um, and as I grew, my line of credit grew, and I still don't use my own money. When I manufacture, I use someone else's money. Right. What a great story. These are principles, again, that are transferable to any business. Right. That you start small. Uh, I noticed that you said you used your savings, which means that you had some savings to yes. use. Uh, small amount. Yes. You, you borrowed, but you only used. And that was before. That was before Target, though. So when I had when I started, I was just dot com, you know, curls right. up this basically e commerce only. It was before Target. When I started going into retail, that's why I used the line of credit. Right. Um, right. But in the meantime, when I was brand new, I ordered a couple hundred units of each of my products. I had four items, so it was like three hundred items I ordered, three hundred units of each of my four items. Right. Very small start. I love that. But and you, you only your used your line of credit. For your business, you didn't go out and only and, the business and <laughs> only manufacturing, and uh, only once you had an inventory. avenue, only right. once you had a big enough avenue to distribute where it made sense to yes. up the level of inventory that right. you needed. I think it's a huge um, miss or a mistake that, that entrepreneurs make. Yep, yeah, entrepreneurs. Right. You know, everybody wants to be big, and we see, you know, in the the world of social media, everything seems to go from popcorn to you know, pop star overnight, but it really does take time. And like you said, the discipline of reinvesting immediately back in your business and not going out to buy Louboutins with your first, um, you know, set of sales money that comes in. And so I just yeah. applaud you for the discipline and what you've shared. It really is going to transcend, um, help people to transcend from an entrepreneurial space, how they handle things. So if you could give entrepreneurs, um, Three tips, the top three things. You've already given them the credit. You've already given them the savings. What are three key things that you think every um, startup entrepreneur should consider as they're going into business? Well, number one, you have to do your due diligence. I always say this. um, Know what you're going into. Know your industry inside and out. Know your competition inside and out. And be very aware of what the challenges are, the risks, because you may lose it. 80% of businesses fail. 80% fail within the first five years. Right. Understand that and protect yourself and know what you're getting yourself into. Number two, one thing I found is that across the board, in every single episode, most of the businesses did not have a business plan or a mm-hmm. marketing plan. And I always was surprised by that because I go, you guys, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail. How do you know we're going to go if you don't have a roadmap? Right. It's like a treasure hunt. You have to have a map to the treasure. Right. And I always say that. So that's another big thing. And if you don't know how to do so, because I I knew how to write a business plan and a marketing plan because I went to 
school for school of business, marketing concentration, so I did. And most don't. But go to SCORE. SCORE.org has classes for free every weekend. They have have campuses in every single major city where you can go for free business writing classes, marketing classes, everything you can imagine you can need for free. So take advantage of all these resources and and educate yourself and execute a plan that is going to make you successful. Um, Also get a mentor someone that's in the industry that can help you with your path to success. And then also the one thing I always say is don't be afraid to ask for help um, because you need to ask for help from someone who's done it before. Um, a lot of times, I know within our community, uh, we are strong, independent, like to go it alone, but that is not always the best way to do it. You need someone, you need a support system that can help you get to where you need to be. Wow, I am absolutely inspired. It's 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 really inspiring to know that someone who has achieved your level of success makes yourself available to other people who are trying to um create their own path and create their own successes. We are too too many of us when we arrive at our destination, we just kind of lock our doors and close our windows and and don't share with others. We say in D3 there are four levels uh, that we attempt to people help people achieve in, in D free. The first, of course, get started, and as you as you decided, you save money and live within your means, and then get control, get ahead, but then give back. That that success right. comes to those who are in a position to share with other people. That, that no one wants to just be successful to show off. And you certainly exemplify the give back spirit. And I am just so proud to know who you are and. And to see what you're doing. God bless you. Thank you. So is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners? What's next for Mahisha? Um, if you know, I don't know if I don't necessarily know if you want people following you on Instagram or places that they can go to oh, learn yes, more about your great. journey. Give us your yes, details. Definitely. We like because I, I like to connect with people. So my personal page is Mahisha. That's M A H I S H A underscore Dellinger. D-E-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. So please do follow me on Instagram. Wonderful. We will. You got 37,000 followers. I don't know why you need any more, but we'll get you some more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then curls.biz, that's my personal page, and I'm very new on Instagram. My curls page is about 380,000, but my personal page is smaller because I just started. 380,000? Yes, us natural girls love you. yeah. That's great. That's great. You're going to make a lot of people look good with their curls. Thank you. Yeah. Now, where? so where's the business going? Where's curls going to be in two or three years? Or are you branching out into other lines of business? Or are you just sticking with the curls? Uh, I have a vitamin, the vitamin world I'm going into. Oh. So we're doing supplements, uh, vitamins for body and hair. Um, and we have some other businesses, too. But right now it's hair. And then go in the supplement world later. Wonderful. Um, and then we have some other things we haven't announced yet, but a lot coming up. Awesome. awesome. Well, we'll awesome. be following you. We'll be promoting you. We'll be praying for you. We'll be supporting you because uh, that's that's what we have to do. We have to uh, support each other, and we have to love each other, and we have to take just as much pride in each other's successes as we do our own. You are a tremendous role I model. I agree. You're a tremendous personality. You're you're a um, you're a servant leader. How many employees do you have in your in your company? 
Oh, gosh. So we have over 200 curls ambassadors. And wow. then we have, and that's a lot, um, throughout the states. Um, and then we have 25 locally. Wow. I love that. That is the Madam C.J. Walker model. So every time I hear a woman in the hair care industry talk about their ambassadors and their brand people out on the road, I think of her, I thank her, and I just appreciate you guys taking that Walker legacy and really moving it forward. This is awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for the time. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. You joined us late. We've been talking to a rock star entrepreneur, a woman who started out with humble beginnings in Sacramento, California, and who built a company after having to leave a job that she thought she'd have for the rest of her professional life. Her name is Mahisha Dellinger. She's with uh, Curls, and Curls is known for having shelf space and Target and, and other retail outlets. And uh, we, we, she caught our attention because of how she shares with others. She not only sells products and makes money, she employs people, she empowers people, and she teaches other people some of the principles that made her successful, which are transferable to any industry. That's why D-Free exists. We are. We are a resourceful people. We are a bounce-back people. And we are a people that have survived some of the harshest human conditions, yet we're still here. And in large measure, because women like Miss Dellinger have decided that uh, they can do things for themselves when no one else will do them for them. So I, I am I am proud to know you. Uh, when I come to Dallas, I'm a visit. I, I I don't I don't have enough hair for curls, but I certainly <laughs> I, I, I certainly can come and be inspired by seeing what you do. God bless you, and thank you so much. This segment of the D Free in the Black podcast is brought to you by our friends at Moneyline, America's most powerful financial membership. You know, Tamika, this partnership that D Free has with the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is so effective. They are promoting as a sorority debt reduction, financial education, asset building, reaching economic goals. They they are literally the leading force on the billion dollar challenge. Absolutely. They've got more people signed up for the billion dollar paydown than any other organization. They're making great strides and every week it's important I think that our listeners be given an example of how outstanding the Deltas are doing through their various chapters. Absolutely. And while I am a civilian, I'll say that they've challenged the rest of the Greek letter organizations to get involved. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of their successes. Great. The Trenton alumni chapter for Deltas um, have also, they were the Trenton. first. Trenton. Yeah. They were the first Delta chapter in New Jersey to launch Billion Dollar Challenge. So they were first. And then Central Jersey came and kind of took the baton and ran with it. But congratulations, Central Jersey, for being first. Have your traditional D-Free in-person classes been interrupted by COVID-19? Use our free online D-Free Academy to pick up where you left off and progress on your journey to financial freedom. Once you register for the D-Free Academy, skip to where you left off. Or if you're new here, start from step one. Get started today at mydfree.org.